0: There are people that like solving really difficult problems that have no difficult problems to solve currently, and and uh, <laughs> right. you know, and so the more you can again get the right people, which is not just skills, it's it's actually usually I think less about the skills than the other stuff of you know, are they curious people? Or are they kind of hungry to solve a problem? Those people are few and far between, and when you find them, however, you can convince them to to join the the ride for you. It's a tough thing, but. One right person is worth a lot of semi-right. Semi-right people for in this stage of a business.
1: Welcome to the Leaders of B2B Podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Do you employ or pay workers in other countries? Even if you don't yet, you might soon. Now that remote work is the norm, employees have more freedom than ever to move around. If you want to keep the best people, you have to stay flexible. That's why remote makes it easy for companies of all sizes to employ global teams. They take care of international payroll, benefits, taxes, and local compliance, so you can focus less on paperwork and more on growing your business. Remote helps you onboard full-time employees or contractors in countries all over the world in minutes on its simple, easy-to-use platform. And even better, Remote helps you rest easy by providing you the most comprehensive intellectual property protection and data security in the industry. They own full local legal entities in all their covered regions, guaranteeing you never have to deal with a third party, ever. To save you money, Remote never charges any fees or salary percentages. You get access to everything Remote offers, from payroll to compliance and to benefits management, for one low flat rate. No hidden fees, no surprises, ever. Just the best global employment solution in the business. Best of all, podcast listeners get an even bigger discount. Get your first employee free for 12 months and two months free for any additional employees onboarded during their first year. You can get 50% off Remote's full suite of global employment solutions for your first employee for three months. Just visit remote.com slash leaders and use the promo code leaders.
2: Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Ledge. Today, I'm excited to welcome Jeffrey Hull, who hails from my hometown, Nashville, Tennessee. He's the CEO and founder of Savvy Financial. Jeffrey, do your, do your own introduction. Tell us about uh, who you guys are and uh, you know, what you're up to in this space. Yeah, definitely, Ledge, and thanks for having me on the show. Savvy Financial
0: helps families save for college and repay student debt. It's kind of at the heart of everything we do, but we take a different spin on it. You know, we really stopped and looked at in the early days, you know, if uh, so many people are coming out of college with student debt, having children, want their children to go to college, don't want to send them through there with a ton of student debt, then why does nobody do anything about that until their child is a junior in high school, right? So we found, you know, there are some some pretty consistent things where you just really don't know what to do, don't have the confidence to really go make a decision. Hopefully you have a financial advisor, but a lot of times they're not even interested in doing, you know, college planning. So, you know, we kind of saw this problem, thought there's probably an easy solution to put in people's hands to really make a difference here. Um, So we focused on a couple areas. Let's make it really simple to sign up for a 529 account, which is a tax advantaged way to save for education. Make it really simple to sign up, no jargon. You know, you can sign up on a mobile device, which is actually an innovation in this industry. And then let's make it a lot easier to to save. You know, the cost of college continues to increase rapidly. Student debt also increases rapidly. I think we're at like 1.7 trillion now. And so, you know, it, if you can get started early and you can actually save from other sources other than your own income, you can really start to make a difference here. So you made a digital product, have cashback rewards, so you shop online or in-store, places you're already shopping at, anywhere up, upwards of 30% can go into your 529 account. Um, and you can also have uh, send out a link to friends and family on Christmases, gifts, and things like that. They can leave a a nice gift into your 529 account as easy as they PayPal or Venmo somebody and leave a a nice message in there as well so that over time, you can look back on everybody that supported you on your journey to send your child or grandchild to college without a ton of student debt. Or if you have your own student debt, you can see everybody that hopefully chipped in and helped you pay that down a little bit quicker. Um, So in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. You know, really just, like I said, help families save for college or repay student debt in the most frictionless way possible
2: yeah i mean obviously that's the vision driven approach to to business you know sort of like that doesn't have a lot of the nitty-gritty details you kind of set out and you kind of go emotionally linking to this you know really important and stressful thing that obviously parents go through um i think you're you're a parent i'm a parent so, you know, always thinking about the saving for college, probably too late, you know, try to right. <laughs> figure that figure that thing out. And yeah, not wanting to saddle your kids with debt, maybe how how we would have been. Um, and, and I think the whole value of how people are thinking about education now is is so different, you know, that we've all been thrust into this idea of like, What is college even going to seem like for these kids that are, you know, growing up now? So there's like just a huge macro shift in in that. How did you get into this? I don't imagine that you woke up one day and be like, I want to, you know, work on college saving technology. So
0: yeah, the question of how did I start out in structural engineering and then meander my way into this? There's a common thread in probably everything that I've done. So my my, um, which you wouldn't know if you just looked on my LinkedIn. My background is in structural engineering, uh, undergrad and graduate degree from from this UT, which is a, <laughs> a, di- a different UT than my wife went to, which, uh, yep, yep. which we finally discovered after dating for six months. You know, although <laughs> we were talking about different UTs this whole time. But um, no, it's, uh, you know, I went there and I went into a field called forensic engineering, which is, you know, taking everything that's, Uh, In the textbooks, all the equations that you learn in engineering and actually applying it in a really scary environment, which is the real world, which is going out and, you know, uh, a building that was hit by a tornado, understanding, obviously, the roof blew off. You can see that. But should it have? Is it safe to go in? And so, you know, all the things that you're doing become, you know, a lot more real world and a lot less theoretical uh, right away. So you know, I think that that's something that always kind of interested me is like equations are good, math's good, theory's good, but let's let's you know put something out in the real world that actually has an impact on people like that's that's kind of where the sauce has always been for me um so I did that for a few years i got uh i got a little i got a little tired of it, and um actually, I got to the point where I was gonna have to study for six months or a year to be licensed as an engineer. And I was said, yeah, if I'm going to put a year to something, is this what I want to put a year to? And it uh, turns out it wasn't. And so uh, from there, I made my way into the MBA program at Vanderbilt. And that was kind of a reset for me, a time to say, what is it that I actually want to do with my life here? I don't know if, if most people use the MBA as a sandbox, but that's kind of what it was for me. Let me go dabble in a lot of different things and figure out. You know where does Jeffrey Hull go from from this point forward? Now that he's finally a recovering engineer and not a practicing engineer. Um. So you know, in the MBA program, you know, I, I you did the typical recruiting thing. I abandoned that pretty quickly. I decided uh, there's probably uh, you know, that's probably something that that excites me a little bit more than that. Started hanging out with a lot of the people in corporate innovation. Um. Spent some time with Nashville Capital Network. Um, and you know, kind of early stage uh, VC fund here in Nashville, and also, you know, got really plugged into the startup community along that same line, uh, that same time, which shows just how nerdy of a person I am. I started really getting into this field of study called behavioral economics or behavioral finances, which is really just all about how do people make decisions with money. I mean, there's a whole field of study of just how do people you know, make decisions in general, and this one's focused specifically on money. And I started getting really excited about that. I thought, you know, this you know so much about the way finances are presented to us are counterintuitive to the way that, you know, just humans naturally think. And this is a whole field of study that recognizes that and says you can kind of tap into that and help people make decisions that they actually want to make. And so that's when, you know, all of those things kind of coalesce, right? Corporate innovation, you know, venture capital startup, you know, behavioral, you know, just studying the brain a little bit. And I was like, there's there's an opportunity here. We go figure out what it is. And so then I just started talking to people about, you know, when do you care about finances? And, you know, very quickly when you when you have a child, which you and I know now. Yeah. i on the other side of that. When you have a child, you know, when you get married, things change a little bit. When you get uh, have a child, things change a lot. Where you're no longer your finances are no longer a vehicle to get you what you want, but it's to pro, you know provide for a family for somebody that's dependent on you. It's just to
2: pour money into a black hole.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: And so, why this problem? I mean, there's you know endless. Uh, I mean, look at the personal finance world. You know, there's there's a lot of places that you could have. Thought about that endless budgeting apps and saving apps and rounding off your purchase. And, you know, I mean, on and on and on and ways to spend money, ways to save money, ways to spend money later, you know. And so this particular thing jumped out at you. How did you identify it? And you might maybe, I don't know, maybe you had like a more structural way of doing that. Cause I think what an MBA or, you know, like the approach, engineering type of approach that you might have took would be like, all right, you know, I actually did study this and think about the problem. It just didn't kind of pop into my head and I decided to do it.
0: That's right. You know, when I, you know, when I started down that path of, of having these conversations with people, when do you care about money, you know, that was always the thing is like, if you're gonna put a tool in somebody's life, you have to put it in their life when they care about it. And so when do they care about it? Um, and so that was one of them. And, and there's a couple of others that I've found too, right? When you get married and when you're getting older, closer to retirement, things like that. But this one seemed really special to me because everybody I was talking to, it's it's there's just some kind of, you know, across the board beliefs that just about everybody has. You know, that everybody wants to, to provide a better life for their child. You know, still today, I would say over 90% and probably close, pretty close to 100, you know, based on, depending on what research you look at. You know, nine nine out of every ten parents want their child to go to college still. They want their child to have that experience that they had. Um, they want their child to have that experience without having the student debt that they had. And almost, you know, when you look at how people save for college, there's there's really no leading tool. It's really just I haven't gotten around to it yet. So there's that aspect of it. There's there's a pretty common problem here. The other thing about it that I got really excited about is when you look across the spectrum of financial goals, budgeting, yada, 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 there are very few that your entire family and tribe and community, whatever you want to call them, are uh, equally as yoked about as you are. So for instance, like, you know, I have, a, I have a 401k for my previous engineering life and nobody cares about that. But I have a SavvyFi account for my daughter who is turning two in November people love to chip into that you know I have friends and family that are using the cashback rewards program all of that funneling to Ruby's college fund um it's a it's a really special thing and a fun thing to ask for rather than more junk, which is what we parents call it <laughs> you know suppose our children probably think it's treasure more junk coming into the house this this you know to trade some of that for. You know, to to put money into our college fund. I think you know that's that, and maybe you know a honeymoon fund, or is the other time, but a, a really special thing that's a really social financial goal. And so, when I saw that, the whole time I was thinking, you know, not only do I want to solve this problem, but if there's no business model behind it that is really going to fuel this thing, then it's not going to make a, a that big of an impact. And so, when I started, you know, seeing that, I was like, every child touches how many people on their birthday. You know, all those people that, you know, believe that you should contribute to a a child's college fund, most of them probably have children and have not done anything yet. And so there's a really kind of social aspect to this that could really drive, you know, a really powerful business model. And so that's when I, that's when I set out and said, this is, I think I can do something here. And then that, that launched into, you know, through a lot of uh, trial and error and, and, you know, ups and downs along the way, kind of launched to, to where we are today.
2: So, uh, yeah, I love I love speed bump stories, you know, assumptions that you made. And, you know, even with the uh, even with a procedural sort of approach, you run into stuff, you go, geez, I never thought of that. Or I wish I knew then. And, and you're entering one of those sort of uh, spaces like healthcare, finance, education. They're all getting so much attention now. It's like, oh, this is garbage and it's ripe for disruption. And it's an easy thing to want to do. And then you run into some of the, you know, stuff that I wish I knew as a founder in one of those spaces. So I I would love to unpack those stories. We talk a lot about that stuff that, you know, like there are also entrenched reasons why things are the way they are. Like everybody didn't set out to make a mess in finance. You know, it's there, there are barriers and I would love to know like sort of what you have learned in that way.
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, this being a social financial goal, one of the things that our team immediately keyed on is there are a lot of people that support this. And um there are pre- there's a predictable path of of where you see families, for instance, when you have uh when you're my my wife we're actually expecting our second in November, so lots of appointments for that, right? There's a baby registry. I don't know if we get to do a baby registry twice. We may have only gotten to do it once, but on the first one, there's a baby registry, right? And the child is born in a hospital and a lot of them go to daycare and then they start school and so on and so forth. And there's a very predictable, you know, set of places where you can find families. And so when we saw that, you know, we thought this is, this is perfect for a channel strategy. And with How much how, you know, how much everybody believes that, you know, things are kind of going a little awry with student loans and financing of education. Like we're going to we're going to find something. So what we've learned on the other side of that is it's not (laughs) if that's uh, that's not uh, you need more than that. Right. When you are setting out to join forces with an organization to help them to help them help you help them. To really understand what it is that uh, actually moves the needle for them and for you to kind of get a partnership off the ground and producing you know not only do you do you have to really understand what's important to them you have to really truly align what you're doing with what's important to them and 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 part of that is is the messaging of it and part of it is actually the truth like how closely do you align with what they're doing um, are you helping them may make money, save money? You know, the strategic advantage part of it is where things get really kind of muddy. What how, What's the value of some strategic advantage, you know? Um, so that uh, really focusing not on, you know, this organization is really big. We can make a really big impact together. But narrowing it down really to you got to get your first initial wins or usually it gets left on the shelf, even if there is a lot of potential. So, so those are some of the things that we've learned kind of going, kind of going through this is that, you know, the excitement and the handshake of getting the deal done is like a step before the starting line, you know? And then, and then at that point, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done to, to make this, uh, to achieve the the potential of this. Because
2: your distribution channel was not what you presumed, like you could make people aware of a thing in the consumer channel, which is where those families would live. That's right. That's However, right. the implementation channel was B2B and they're, yep. they're employers uh, in right. the place by which, you know, sort of the money transaction intersection is really where you could make that difference. And then you have a thing of saying, okay, great, I can get people to implement this, but can I get people to use it? Mm-hmm. And so you have a this sort of multi-approach and multi-dimensional sort of thing that isn't really about adoption and implementation as much as it is about awareness and knowing where and how to access it. I mean, you have a to c type of model there. I think which is challenging because you may not have like you could have made a consumer solution where you know like which i think is like a you promise for example in the same type of space you actually wanted to have you know something upstream and a business sale is a whole lot different than getting people to use something
0: that's right that's right and and that's probably didn't really dive into this too much yet but another one of the things we we saw early on when we were wrapping this all together we want a product we want a business model Want it all to be designed together. You know. We had a lot of people when we were searching for our channel say this is an employee benefit. So that's actually where we focus most of our efforts now is in the employee benefit channel. There are, it made a lot of sense, right? It made a lot of sense on paper where how many people would be saving for retirement if they didn't have a 401k through work? Like, very few, right? Even though there's a ton of IRAs out there, um, options very few.
2: So they're all rollovers. That. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's right. And so, you know, we, we saw that and we were like, this this makes sense. Because when you look at, you know, what the problem is when it comes to student debt and saving for college, it's not that people are in the wrong thing or, you know, there's not like they got into something that's suboptimal. It's that they never got around to doing it. And when you show up at a workplace or in an open enrollment you know, it's your employer has a dorsus option. It's only one, you have to make a yes or no decision. It's, it's pretty much when we show up, it's, do you want to save for your kid's college with other people's money is the question. And it's hard. There's very few people that say no to that, you know, but, but to, there's to, your behavioral econ right <laughs> yeah, there. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. Free money. But you then, just pulled
2: uh, pulled the psych card folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but then to your point, you know, there are some employers that are paternalistic and believe that doing the right thing for their employees is, is the right thing to do with their benefits. And there are other that others that have a spreadsheet that they're, they're kind of plugging into so figuring out how do we speak to both of those and actually move the needle for them. Then you have upstream from there, you have the benefit brokers that are stepping in with their, their clients to kind of help them through this, you know, all other benefit challenges. And so how do we get that broker confident enough and knowledgeable enough that they they are excited about bringing our product up so that the employer is actually aware of it? You know, there's a, it's, to your point, it's a very, very challenging b to b to b to b to c kind of kind of sales process that we go through so it's it's uh i think that that um your original question what do we learn we learned that everything was perfect on paper and then we took it into the real world and found out there are a lot more bees that care about a lot of different things and that's a pretty tough that's a pretty tough equation to crack
2: Right. Right. Well, yeah, I love that. That lesson, the, everything on paper lasts about as long as it, <laughs> until you go out to market there. That's and, right. I mean, that, do you think you could have gotten out ahead of that at all? Like, you know, sort of with your procedural approach and sort of, you know, you figured out a, a business model in that kind of engineering way and you go, oh, great, this works. Now, who could, could you identify it early, like earlier who to ask you know because i think that's the hard question is like I, I don't know who i would talk to about uncovering that because it is a complex equation yeah
0: yeah i think um you know another lesson we we that i that i personally have learned being the engineer you know and, and a very self-sufficient person if there's a challenge i just can't keep myself out of it like, i can solve this challenge you know i can talk to enough people do enough research this challenge is solvable what I think I've learned after enough black eyes is <laughs> an equally as good, if not better approach is to before jumping into that challenge and solving it, get the right person that can solve that challenge that has solved it before. Um, so one of the things we've done is through our investors, our advisors, our distribution partners, you know, we very much uh, as much as we could hand selected them. There are a lot of people that are coming in from different levels and employee benefits from, you know, obviously company owners to, you know, sometimes at the benefits distribution level, sometimes at the, the benefit product level. So bringing those people in and really leveraging their experience as much as possible as we're kind of going through this. And so what I, was, what I would say is that helped us really get this thing down perfectly on paper <laughs> and even still no there is no way we could have there's no way we could have pre-solved all the things that we we're going to run into because 529 plans college saving even student loan repayment which is you know all of that is a brand new category and so you know people can draw from their experience of like telemedicine when it was brand new that solves a different problem for Different people, and it's so brand new, which is why there's opportunity that no i, I don't believe i'll tell you I'm, i'll continually search for the person that can pre solve all of these problems that we you know have had and will continue to have. I have not found them yet, and at this point I don't believe that these are pre solvable problems before we step in here. I think they're just challenges that you know you get the right people. This is kind of what um, you know the lesson learned is rather than solving this problem, if you bring people around you to have all these different skill sets and are problem solvers, then you don't, you don't really have to kind of, you're building an engine that's going to get you up a hill as opposed to trying to navigate over this one little river or whatever it may be.
2: And you really have to have a firm, passionate delivery to keep people on board long enough to solve a problem when you have like, Hey, we're going to solve, you know, what sounds simple, right? Oh, we'll help people save for college and, and student debt sucks. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, we could all agree on that, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right. And I think then the question as the founder is to be like, all right, you know, we have, uh, you know, real limits on runway. We have real, you know, sort of things here that uh, how do I keep people engaged in the fact that, uh, you know, we want to keep going until we solve this problem? You know, like there's leadership Lessons there because uh, solving difficult problems is by nature uh, fraught and long, and somebody would have done it already if it was easy. That's right.
0: Yeah. I guess, you know, what, what, um, and I don't know if this is something you can be a superstar at, but there are people that like solving really difficult problems. And there are people that like solving really difficult problems that have no difficult problems to solve currently. And, <laughs> and uh right. you know and so the more you can again get the right people which is not just skills it's, it's actually usually i think less about the skills than the other stuff of you know are they curious people are they kind of hungry to solve a problem or are they you know is are they the type of person that just can't you know their standard is of themselves is higher than anybody else's could be and they can't go below their standard i think those people are uh few and far between and when you find them However, you can convince them to to join the the ride for you. That's a tough thing, but I think that that's you know, one right person is worth a lot of you know, s- s- semi you know, <laughs> right, semi right people for yeah. in this stage of a business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I think you're balancing there and like the intrinsic and extrinsic rewards of you know, kind of. Uh, You always need to bring people on, you know, prior to being able to afford their awesomeness. And and I mean, that is that is absolutely the thing that that founders, I think, excel at who Mm -hmm. have made a business out of accumulating smart people uh, and figuring out motivation. So I imagine your behavioral economics has been useful there because people (laughs) Uh, there are some folks that can solve problems that are just sort of like, well, I'm not motivated by solving the problem. I'm just smart. You know, pay yeah, me a lot right. of money to to be a consultant. Right? Right. And then right. there's yeah. you probably needed the other type. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So how many years have you guys been at it? And, you know, what is the what's the path look like now having, you know, sort of had that learning and distribution experience? You know, I, I think that showing up every day is is the challenge to stay focused and grow and address all the things like you get pulled a lot of directions.
0: Yeah, I think where we are right now so we've been we've been around for about 3 years. I've kind of gone through different phases with the company one is solving all the um the fintech challenges of putting one of these products together which is which are non-trivial. The fin part of fintech is the non-trivial part, right? Going from there to to saying like the first, the first, this looks good on paper, let's put it on the real world of getting you know, friends and family and those types on the platform to see, does the money go <laughs> where we think it'll go? And it, it absolutely did. Every time, are people using this gifting feature? Are people willing to give gifts? Absolutely. That's happened. Kind of added on to the product with the cashback rewards. Are people going to use that? And they are. So going from there to, it went from there to, all right, well, let's search for our channel. We did some early rollouts with some employers, and we we saw exactly what on paper we thought we would see, you know, which is that they uh you know an anecdote the one that i that really sticks in my head is when we were first doing this, we'd show up at a workplace, we'd do a little pitch, we'd have people come in and sit down do one on ones and one of the one of the um parents I spoke to you know is, is, uh, said, you know I'm so thankful this finally showed up here." I wish this was at my daycare or like, I've just been wanting to do this. And the fact that it showed up here in front of me, I can finally do this. And so we, we got enough of those stories. We said, this is employee benefit. And from there we went into, you know, how do we reach a lot of employers and started down that, you know, kind of strategic partnership, distribution partnership with benefit brokers. And we launched in um, March of 2020, which is just a fantastic time to launch a new benefit category you know, right as everybody runs from the workplace.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> it's also a time when people are saying, geez, like everybody's resigning or I can't get people to work and values are changing. I mm-hmm. mean, you have a you definitely have a PR opportunity to lean into and say, um, yeah, it sounds like retention and uh you know, getting people to actually come to work for you is, is now an issue. Maybe we should think differently about that.
0: That's right. Yeah. That PR yeah. angle came up later in the year. It didn't come yeah. up in March, though.
2: No, it did not. <laughs> yeah, you're right. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. yeah but,
0: but the, yeah, that's where we are yeah. now, where we are, we, um, you know, are, are continuing to advance our partnerships from, you know, kind of regional proof of concepts up to, you know, broad level national distribution. It's very much employers are looking at, you know, there's the great resignation what do we do to keep our employees? Let's actually think about what benefits actually solve problems for our employees, which believe it or not, has not been what how benefits decisions have always been made. I mean, there's some goofy ones in there that, you know, from the best I can tell, the reason why they are an employee benefit distributed through this channel is somebody realized, I could probably make some money here. This, there's enough commission in this product that yeah and then they they sell it to an employer the employer sells it to the employees and and they make some money off of that. So it is or it is a really good time for for where we are for a new benefit category. Obviously everybody's aware of student debt. I mean it's that conversation has come up, it came up right in March, right? When we started looking at um from a a legislative point of view or a you know, policy point of view, what are we going to do about all these people that are out of work and have student debt, right? It's a big topic. So, yeah, the pandemic from a PR angle, you know, there are some some positives, which as a as a company where we are, you have to every negative you have, you know, there's a positive in here somewhere and it's our oh, job yeah, to find yeah. it. Uh,
1: believe me, I've had to play the uh,
2: recession PR angle, yeah, That yeah. you know, it's like, am I selling this to myself or do I You're really right, believe <laughs> this? You know, like there are definitely those days. Um, yeah, I get but it
0: from what, from what I'll tell you, um, from what we've seen is at the distribution level and at the product level. So the distribution level are the benefit brokers who go out there. The product level is you know, typically the insurance carriers, um, uh, but all the other ones, there is a change that is happening. It was, a, it was, uh, fueled by the pandemic, although it didn't start there where people are saying, you know, we can't just be insurance companies anymore which is what benefits has primarily been dominated by is 401k and healthcare. Those are where, you know, um, the distributors make most of their money. And so we've seen that we can't just be insurance company anymore. We need to figure out what problems employees actually have. And we need to adjust the way that we do things so that we're solving those problems or we're on track to become irrelevant. And so, you know, when we look at carrier partnerships, which were, you know, farther down the way with on, on some of those and, and also, um, you know, kind of new um, partnerships at the distribution level, at the broker level. Um, when I say new, I don't mean new to us, but like new to them too, a little bit of how are we going to kind of change the way we do things? We're we're pretty excited, you know, right time, right place on paper. <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, so I, I see, you know, kind of going forward for us, you know we're we're expanding now. We're expanding, getting the right people on the bus. We're expanding our fundraising. We're expanding our distribution channels. Stepping outside of strategic and putting a lot more focus on speaking directly to employers as well, um, and expanding those partnerships that we already have on deck. That's kind of where we are. Is we see the way the world is is changing, and we want to be, um, you know, we want to be a, a a player that makes a big impact in there. And um, we're, uh, we're kind of resourcing up and scaling up right now to, to wage war and student debt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, I, so I've talked to you a few times over the course of years. And one thing I've noticed is like I'm, I'm going to take a, a personal tack on this one. So like you have a good attitude, like you're generally an upbeat guy. And like this stuff isn't always easy. We just went through like a brutal year. Uh, But, you know, every time I talk to you, you kind of have a smile on your face and you look like you're, you know, enjoying life. So I I wonder, you probably have had founder doldrums, we all do, you know, from time to time. But, you know, what do you do from a personal and mental health care standpoint to, you know, sort of show up and be in a a good mood? Ooh. (laughs) Well, sometimes I talk to people and they're grumps and, you know, I'm just like, oh. No, you know, Jeffrey's usually in a good mood and he seems like a happy guy and, you know, things aren't always easy in startup land. So, you know, I think we, we aren't honest enough about mental health in our our space, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, the, the workout, (laughs) workout, (laughs) you know, the, um, the, you can take a lot of losses in a row doing this and, uh, enough and get enough rest you can get a win in the gym so (laughs) so it's a small way to go get a little win there and and to you know kind of release a little frustration so there's definitely that i'll say that one of the uh you know there's a lot of stressors that come with being a parent but one of the the perfect moments i have every single day is when i put my daughter down she puts her head on my shoulder and pats me on the back. Oh, yeah. Um, so being able, that's, that's probably the only time that I can really shut my brain off and just be, you know, not solve a problem. Just be like, all right, this is, this is good. You know? Um, so there's, there's those things. I think, you know, there's a lot of, I spent a lot of time, you know, um, again, nerdy, just learning about myself, who I am, what kind of personality I have and, and what are the things that stress me out? What can I do to to because you can't really stop yourself from getting stressed out? It's more just like, how do you get back on the, how do you get back in the seat and keep driving after that? So I spent I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out who I am, you know, and 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 why are these things because when you when you you know the the world can come crashing down on you. It can seem that way, but it's never reality. And so why does it feel that way? What is it about this one no or this? you know, one change in in the environment that makes it feel like I've just lost everything. And, And being able to understand that, you can kind of go, you can't stop it, but you can go, I know what's going on here. There's a little quirk about my personality. I know I need to either wait this out or, Go have a beer with a bud or go to the gym or go hug my daughter. Um, so those are things, but I appreciate you saying I'm really upbeat because I don't think very many people would say that you must just be catching me on good days or maybe it may say more about you than it does about me, though. (laughs) Or you're
2: just faking it. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it could be. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I think that stuff is important and we don't. As founder cohorts, we don't spend enough time yeah. on it, and I think there's a lot of loneliness in that seat and yeah, it'd yeah. be better to be honest and not just drink by ourselves and you know yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so what are uh ledge, what are some of the things you do? I sometimes have those good habits you described, but i i do think I do think there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of time that spending with kids is definitely beneficial and and it's interesting because you know like you know as parenting it's a total beat down just like being a startup founder I actually call that my organic startups you know so but look can you can you get any better than your kid giving you a hug and going good job daddy you know so (laughs) I don't know my kids went on my youtube channel and you know like they're like my two fans and they write me comments and I was like this is this is cool I do yard work I like to go out and you know chop stuff down Mm -hmm. and um it doesn't look better when I'm done, but you know, it's just it's just cathartic yeah. music. You know, I should work out more, but you know, you do what you can, right? Yeah, so, that's right. But, uh, you just try to, you know, have good conversations, make good, uh, make good choices and ride the wave a little bit, you know, like you're right. Some days just suck. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of yeah. go like, I'm not going to feel this way later let me um let me do something to just be aware of that this is not the fact this is just yeah. how i feel and yeah. you got to ride it so. yeah 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 it's a
0: yeah it's good uh, i think that that's that's a good point it's always good to um connect with other people there in there. yeah you- you, you that are in that similar scenario and know that you know you're not the worst, absolute worst founder there is on the planet. Because <laughs> this thing with that is like, it's just you know you're walking. There's always somebody field, who sucks more like, than you, right? So, there's Somebody yeah. out there. You just gotta it's see you got to go out there and find somebody yeah. that sucks way worse than you and go have a beer with them. <laughs> <And that's, laughs>
2: And then you're an expert, then you're That's an influencer. Right. And it's you, great. Maybe
0: you help them out a little
2: bit and you're yeah. like,
0: Man, I'm so good at I can actually offer advice to people. <laughs> I'm glad I
2: can help your business because I can't help mine. Oh, <laughs> right. uh, there's some honest stuff. We should do yeah. another one just about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well,
2: Jeffrey, this is fun, man. For, thanks for coming out. I'm glad we did this. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or, you know, savvy, uh, what's the best ways to do that? I mean, you're obviously tapping into important stuff and you have good yeah. insights, you know, for, for founders. So both sides of the fence.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, we, we love connecting with people, hopping on our LinkedIn page, S-A-V-V-Y-F-I. So it's the word savvy in the first two letters of financial. Mashed together, Savvyfy on LinkedIn. There's a you can there's a contact us button. You can hit my calendar that way. Savvyfy.co. Co. Go out there and check out. You know, can see the platform a little bit. See, you know, the gifting and cashback rewards features, some value props for employers, and and all the such. So, those are those are the best ways I think. But yeah, we're we're always looking to, like I said beginning we believe that a lot of people care a lot about solving this problem for a lot of people and the more of those people we can connect with employers brokers you know insurance carriers product people or just anybody else the more the better maybe somebody uh you know ledge you know there's probably somebody that um there's probably like some senator or a few of them that that listen to your show you probably made it your show's made it into dc i don't know about point. that we'll, so see. we'll get some of those guys to reach out and change some policy for the 529s to Make it easier for employers to contribute. That'd be, a, that'd be a solid right there as well.
2: Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if we can tap the lobbyists for the That's next right. one. <laughs> well played. Well played. Yeah. Thanks for coming out, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thank
1: you, Ledge. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.